This is episode number 213. What does it mean to be in denial? With Laura Staley. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements, first one being an invitation to our upcoming event called Survive to Thrive Attitude of Gratitude. This is a two-weekend experience where we'll be exploring the concepts of different ways to develop resilience with gratitude, grieving with gratitude, and ultimately exploring the whole mindset behind what it means to be grateful and what life looks like without this larger concept of being grateful. If you would like to more details about these upcoming experiences, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the full agenda as well as all of the speakers and facilitators who will be taking part of this particular experience. The second announcement that I would like to make is this. If you enjoyed any of the previous episodes or if this is your first time tuning in and you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here, Oleg. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. And I think more importantly, thank you for being a part of my life. And I know that you're one of the early people that have been a part of those Saturday calls. And, you know, it's always a joy to have you there. Um, I think the insights and the perspectives that you bring I know that I walk away every single time, even though I walk into it with a question, I walk away with significantly more questions <laughs> than I began to, to begin with. <laughs> but I think that's kind of the beauty of it. And, you know, just being a part of an open space like that, where you can openly hear other people's perspectives and know that at the end of the day, your perspective is only your perspective. And it's not necessarily the way to living it, to living life, rather it's just a way. Mm. And so hearing all these other people, you know, John Jefferson, Scott Mason, Lachelle, it, it just makes me realize that, wow, it really is like, I'm really is just a, like a speck when, when it's compared to a larger scope of things, because you and I can talk about the same thing, even the concept of denial mm. and have two very different perspectives. Because we have very different experiences. Uh, absolutely. Well, and and I, as I was reflecting on this question when you sent it to me yesterday, I thought, oh my gosh, we're, there's so many different ways to come at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, probably the the best way to come at it is, you know, through through my own experiences and relationships with others, as you pointed to in the in the introduction. Because oh my goodness, I even I even got thinking about there are probably people that might still believe the the earth is flat, right? <laughs> and it's like, okay, is that, I mean, most of us would probably go, well, yeah, that's that's a bit of a form of de- a denial, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet, I, you know, if, if somebody chooses to operate their life that way, you know, I think as long as it's kind of not hurting me, mm-hmm. they, they have the freedom to have that thought, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So we all have so many uh, different beliefs and experiences, like you said. And I think how how I came to this idea, if if I can just go ahead and jump in, <laughs> shall I just go ahead and jump absolutely? In? Okay. Uh, wow. So I I I grew up with the dynamics of a significant person in my life who who ha- so quickly could shape shift and. Um, this individual could be incredibly kind and syrupy sweet and then on a dime just be ferocious and angry and i remember as a and and actually i i'm i'm okay with saying it it was it was my mom and and she has since passed and i i have a richer understanding of 
you know, the struggles that she has and um, or had <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, huge compassion for what for what she had unresolved. But I remember as a little girl because she, ha- she I just I was the split all bad kid <laughs> in the family. Like my brother was the golden child. I was the scapegoat. And I just so remember going to her and, and saying things like, you know, why are you so angry? And, you know, why did you say those things? You, you, you sounded so angry and mean. And she was like, I was joking and I was just kidding or I didn't say that. And I, and it got, it got so confusing as a little girl. Um, and, and I found I, I had to, you know, I, I got hyper vigilant about kind of like tracking with her, like, oh man, when is she gonna, (laughs) when's the next time she's gonna blow? Right. And then her capacity to even throw it back at me was in my experience and later on in my learnings, I realized, wow, that was just another form of her projecting onto me the things that she didn't want to see inside inside of herself and said things described me in ways that were really quite, unfortunately, really quite cruel. Um, Although I've come to terms with that she loved me as best as she could. And I'm grateful for that. I had a roof over my house. I had food, you know, we were a middle-class family and yet there were these really, really scary, challenging dynamics. And so um, tracking the emotional realities became very challenging for me, Oleg, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody's saying, I'm not angry and they're like, ah, (laughs) or or somebody else or they're or they're just going i'm fine (laughs) right i learned to not always listen to the words I, i mean i would want to listen to somebody's words right but what I learned to drop into, and I think it served me in my life because you know, I, I've survived a lot of things and I've come through a lot of things, is that I learned to drop into that deeper paying attention to the emotional world and energy of a person and their, their presence. Because somebody can look from a distance, can look really innocuous but you get up close and you stand next to them and you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I would. And I'd be like, man, this, there is like hostility <laughs> just, you know, wafting off of this individual, even though from a distance they look innocuous. I mean, another example is kind of like, um, my mom actually did hug me, but she often said really cruel words in my ear as she was hugging me. Right. And so it became this mixed message because to the outer world, they're looking and seeing uh, probably having the interpretation. Wow, that's a really loving mother. And Mm -hmm. yet my experience was terrifying and uncomfortable uh, uh, and just like get, you know, (laughs) get me out of here because it was like the the hug that's stabbing you in the back, if you uh, so to speak. Right. With with the mean words. Um, so that mixed message had me kind of go to work at tracking emotional realities, behaviors, and less about words if it felt like something was off. So if there wasn't alignment between words, feelings, and behavior, and kind of presence and an energy because some of the, some of the coolest people I've, I've met, um, you know, complete strangers, right. They may be dressed in, in in a very different way than I'm dressed. Right. And and they may even smell. And yet (laughs) I will experience this energy from that person. That's, um, you know, like it has me curious because they're just there's this gentleness, there's this humility, there's this humbleness. And I'm curious about their story. And then I strike up a conversation. They start to smile. They get animated. I'm actually listening and hearing them. Um, and, and, and this whole being emerges. Right. Um, now, in terms of my own denial and the, mm-hmm. and this where it gets really interesting, right? (laughs) Okay, so I had these um, confusing, that's a great word to use, really 
confusing, terrifying experiences, right? With kind of a shape-shifting um, mom who could, you know, be screaming at us kids and answer the phone and go, hello, <laughs> right? And I'll be just like, how could she do that? <laughs> how can she just like shift on a dime like that? I mean, I, I hardly, you know, like I can laugh and laugh and laugh and I don't know how to shift out of laughing into anger. I don't know. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I struggled with is, um, I, I swallowed the beliefs, the, the ways that she and other people, it wasn't just her, but other people, bullies mm. at school and things, a way they described me, right? So inside, I had this idea of myself that wasn't flattering at all, right? And it was, I, it filled me with so much shame. And, but <laughs> watch this, right? So I'm walking around internally with all the shame, but externally, oh my gosh, I want everybody, anyone, someone, you, Oleg, please love me, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I could just be good and kind and behave well and do the exact right, perfect thing, right? So I became this fierce, um, do-gooder, people-pleaser. Uh, I mean, there are all kinds of words for it. And yet inside, you know, feeling so terrified, right? And ashamed of these things that, oh God, if you found out, Oleg, that I really, really am a big piece of poo, <laughs> right? <laughs> You'd run so far away from me. So I I got in what what many people now call kind of an imposter syndrome. I mean, mm -hmm. I, had it, I had it going on in spades, right? You know, the hustle for the, you know, and I could, I could say, I, I would attempt to say exactly what you wanted to hear. Um, and I lost, I lost who the heck I, I was until it got so exhausting and uncomfortable and then I began doing my work and I and I really had truly convinced myself that I was this good, kind, loving person. Now, I, I do think that it, that is my essence, right? But oops, <laughs> guess what? Uh, I had I put myself in a transformational workshop and I also knew that I had patterns in me that were just not working. Right. I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I guess I just didn't want to live terrified at the same time. I'm like, you know, doing the, <laughs> the dog and pony show out here. Right. And, and inside I'm just, I'm just terrified of life, of people, of experiences, you know, are they going to find, you know, like, seriously, are they going to find out that I have no right to exist? <laughs> right. And just, you know, take me out. Um, Plus, when I was really, really little, I had I literally had my life threatened. So that just was another added layer of terror, terror. And the individual said, if you tell, I'll kill you. So my you know, so it was like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't you know, I can't talk, even though I had one brief moment where I said it. But then it was denied. Right. It, my mother literally said, there is no bad man at your school. And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. can't, can't talk about that. Right. So another, you know, bearing the things that had actually happened. So I knew that these things, the experiences all live in your body or they all live in my body. I'll, I'll speak for me. And I started my work and I, I'll, I'll never forget the woman who came to me and was like, uh, and I had asked for this. I really had asked for honest feedback. And she said, um, Laura, <laughs> you know that you interrupt people. And I was so taken aback because I had convinced myself that I was a really, really good listener. Now, here's the interesting thing, right? in that kind people pleasing i'm a really good listener and here's this little feedback <laughs> right that enters in and i felt all kinds of feelings and then in the kind of the squeaky voice i was like really and she goes yes you do and i started to look 
I started to actually pay attention in all kinds of conversations. And I saw that I had, I absolutely interrupted people. I mm. had hot potato, you know, ideas in my head and no internal editor sometimes and it all will come flying out my mouth. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and, um, and so it would, it was this both and tension in my experience of, of going, okay, when people are telling me a story, I really do listen. And I remember vivid details about exactly what they said. That was accurate. And it was also accurate that I interrupted people. And this thing over here, right? I didn't like this one. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted to like stop this one the the inter, the interrupter lady uh and so i actually went to work on that and there are times that we literally have to interrupt people right mm -hmm. in terms of behavior like well like i gotta i, I need a bio break mm -hmm. <laughs> right? and you'd be like cool laura you know and I wish I had, you had done it before the podcast. <laughs> in a conversation with a friend or whatever, and I'm sitting and having coffee, I'll just like hold that thought. I, I really want to hear everything you have to say, but I really need a bio break. Right. So it's not that I had to go to some extreme and never, ever, ever interrupt another human being as they were talking. But there are ways that I could that I could do it that are respectful and integrated with my deepest core values. Um, the other example of kind of like coming. So at any rate, that that tension of the mm -hmm. both and and beginning to look at all the ways that I was interacting with people in my life. Um, was really, really important to me and especially the people closest to me. Cause I think what, what is that? I don't know, but maybe because I had learned it in my own family that when you go out in the world, you put on your best behavior, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, your smiley face, your curtsy, your bow, you know how to shake hands, you, you know, but back in the house, ah, you know, all that could break loose. Right. And you know what, you know, what is that? It's almost like, uh, you know, the people that you love the most, you, you would hope that you would behave and model behavior that was that had you at your highest and best, if you will, or your most you could be genuine without being cruel. Right. I, I yeah. can be honest and own I'm I'm tired. I'm sad. I've got a headache um, and be able to communicate those things or I need a time out or I need to take care of these things that are internal to my boat. And it has nothing to do with you. I've just got to go work at me and then take myself on a timeout and go to work on whatever it is that I'm resolving internally to myself. Mm -hmm. um, so the other, the other example that I would share and then, and then please, please jump in um, mm -hmm. just because this was, this really was life changing. I knew that I had, I knew that I uh, had anger outbursts with my two little kids like it wasn't a denial, but I also was really struggling to interrupt it. And I sort of mostly wanted to hide it from everybody. Like most people who knew me, they couldn't imagine the salty sailor words that would come out of me. Now, I didn't call my kids names, but how I would describe it is I would just lose it. Right. I would just like have a, an adult tantrum, <laughs> you know, in front and in, in front of them so many triggers and so much un unresolved trauma. Any rate, um, my then husband came to me and, and really did give me a, a really great gift. And I'm grateful to this, to this moment in this conversation. You know, he said in a moment of calm, you know, um, those episodes that you have, they really scare me, but they're terrifying our children. Now, Remember, Oleg, I felt terrified in my childhood household. And here I'm having to confront the reality that I hurt people, hurt people, right? That I had recreated the very experience that I hated the most mm -hmm. inside these, the bodies and beings of my two little kids. And, and you know, at first I was like, well, 
you know, I got defensive. I really did. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, they need to see what anger looks like. Really? <laughs> <laughs> like that? Really? And and as I reflected more about it, because they, they truly were really little kids, um, I thought, wow, wait a minute. Only, only, you know, cowards or emotionally unregulated people or, you know, just wounded. I, I mean, I had so much trauma lodged in my nervous system that hadn't resolved itself. Um, and so the very next time I literally, so I ha I'm in the episode, right. It'd been a long day, you know, and I had the moment, um, where, uh, it's still, it's still really kind of emotional for me where the veil lifted. Right. And I'm, cause I'm in my, and I can eat, I I intellectually could describe these episodes, by the way, mm-hmm. but I couldn't, I wasn't able to interrupt them or thwart them or stuff them away. And, um, and I open, it's like, I opened my eyes and saw my kids terrified, be, you know, selves, you know, sitting kind of like stones on the floor. And I ran into the bedroom awash with so much shame um, and called the next day to, to do my deeper work. So I wouldn't be doing repeating that cycle with my kids. So at that juncture, I could no longer deny our topic for today, deny that as much as I was fiercely committed to being this loving, patient, kind, gentle, compassionate person. I, I behaved at times, not all the time, at times with my own two small children, um, as I've described her, I call her, I called her Lois, um, (laughs) as a psycho bitch from hell. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and that, 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 that was so utterly painful. And again, I was in a both and of, of, I had cultivated a lot of ways of being that were loving and compassionate and kind. And then I also had sort of the fake kind, you know, people pleasing things still going on. And then I had this uh, psycho freak <laughs> right. Who, when, when I got triggered and my kids were just being kids, I mean, I hardly, you know, maybe we were just at a shopping mall and I was like overly stimulated or scared that my mother was going to come over to the house. And it, and it just, you know, I felt stalked a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I literally felt stalked by my, I know that's really strange, probably strange for some people to hear who have a very deeply loving relationship with their mother. But in my experience, I literally felt stalked by my mom um, because anytime she showed up in my energy field, I could count on um, it, it going from, you know, it was the, I hate you, don't leave me, right? Mm-hmm. She, she'd, she'd have something syrupy, uh, fake kind to say to kind of draw me back in and then just pound me with, you know, brutal, brutal words mm-hmm. um, that, you know, I don't need to repeat. So uh, I went to work on the integration and the healing of those traumas so that I personally would have the awareness to cut, to, to, to feel those sensations in my body and go back and be able to cut the wire before all the stuff came out of my mouth. And, and I'm here as a, my life is a demonstration that you can absolutely come through. I know there's a lot of talk about the growth mindset, post-traumatic growth. I'm a living example of that. I know that this isolation and the pandemic, et cetera, has us um, really with an opportunity, which I've been doing pretty much most of my life once I got aware, really, really deeply aware of this thing called denial, um, to, to do the introspection and really ask myself those, those questions. Is it true? Is it absolutely true? What do I feel like when I have that thought? Um, 
and then, you know, kind of turn it around. So anything that I've ever judged in somebody else, I got going on. Reflection of <laughs> and, you. You know, yeah. like that's what I've learned. Like every single time I would think somebody was behaving whatever, whatever, I now know to ask myself that deeper question and say, what has this person lived through that has them behaving that way? Yeah. And then how can I be of support? So for instance, if it's a mom, if it's a mom in a, in a line at, well, I, I know we're not in too many lines these days, but I'll just jump back. You know, there was a six, way- six feet apart lines. There was a time that, you know, I took my kids to the zoo and, and there's a story. I, I tell the story. I tell these stories, by the way, and live inspired. I actually tell the story of, of, what that experience was like for me um, when I was losing it with my kids, but then also waking up to the fact that, wow, I needed to go to work on that behavior. But there was a woman at the zoo who um, she was losing it, you know, mm-hmm. back in her kid and this little, this little boy, and she was really tall. And of course it's like this little boy and he's just reaching up. What I saw is that he was reaching up for the beverage it was this really hot summer day and she just kept screaming at him and, you know, whacking him. And, and I now know the question I could have asked. I, I just said, can I help you? Which just had her swear up a storm at me, but she started focusing on me and I was seriously distanced from her because she, mm-hmm. so I didn't, I didn't want to get in the fray, but I really did. But what I ended up saying, because she was like swearing, but she was like mimicking me. She was like doing the screaming active listening, which is kind of cool, right? Because she had stopped hitting this this child. And I just said, yes, you know, can I help you? Because I know what it feels like to be that enraged. Now, I didn't I didn't hit my kids, um, but I would have these meltdowns. One time um, I, I, I swatted the bottom of my daughter and it's terrified me. And I completely, you know, stopped, stopped that behavior because it was not aligned with, with my, my values. Plus I was listening to a friend yesterday whose son, um, she had been spanked as a child and her son, um, when he, he, he had gotten in trouble at school for hitting a kid and she went to go and hit him. And he goes, wait, I, how, why is it that you get to hit me when I just hit a kid? Mm -hmm. And it, you know, like it stopped her cold in her tracks, right? To just kind of like, wow, okay. And the new question I think I would ask somebody is how can I help? How can yeah. I help? If somebody's really having that, you know, meltdown moment, how can I help? Uh, and, and you know, maybe they'd say something or maybe they, they wouldn't, but but I know my compassion is huge because I know – Denial can be so multifaceted. Oh, yeah. There can be so many things, Oleg, that people want to hide. They want to hide that they were sexually molested. They want to hide that they had a horrible parent. They want to hide the fact that, you know, they flunked algebra. They want to hide, you know, like there's, right? There's just like a plethora of things that, that we want to hide away in a closet. And yet what I've learned is when I can open that closet of my own life experiences and own every single thing that ever happened to me, uh, I can learn from everything that happened to me. And rather than internalize the shame of, of the, of the perpetrator, if you will. And I, I, I don't particularly like calling my mom that, but in many ways she was. And in another reality, um, you know, I could have gotten, gotten into foster care or something. I mean, there was, you know, but, but that, that time period, you know, I didn't, I didn't go, who, who was I going to tell, you know, there was no one to tell. And, and so, you know, no one else was bearing witness. No one else was saying, in fact, they were all like, yeah, you're Laura, you're the, (laughs) you're the problem. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like straighten up your act. She wouldn't behave so badly towards you. And uh, so it got reinforced, you know, by the entire family. Like, you need to apologize to your mom. And I was like, wow, really? <laughs> what did I do? Mm-hmm. You know? And um, and I wasn't perfect because sometimes I did push back. Right. Sometimes I just did yell back and blow up. But part of that was my own 
trying our own survival mechanism, but I've learned to um, walk away if it gets that. Um, yeah, I've learned to hold my tongue <laughs> is what I've, what I've learned, but I've also learned to speak up when I know that my words could make a difference. So just another example of that, there's a lady who I uh, run a few laps with and she has a dog that's very badly behaved with other dogs and it hates this one little dog. And I had the presence of mind to yep, you know, as soon as this dog broke loose the other day and went barreling towards the tiny dog and he, and the tiny dog was walking with its owners. I knew their names and they're, they're really kind people. And it's not that this woman isn't kind, but she's complicated, right? And the way she treats her dog is not something that I would do or choose. And yet, you know, I could, I might be able to say, well, that's kind of a form of denial that she's denying how she yells at her dog and threatens her dog and grabs her dog. And, you know, like, does behaviors that kind of scare me for the dog. Right. And yet I have never said anything because it's complicated. And, and in many ways she is a good kind person, but, but I think when we go binary, it gets mm -hmm. really, that's where we get all messed up because she's, she's many things, right. She's just yeah. many things like I am too. Right. And put, put me in, in a horrible context and you're going to see, one hell of heck of a, you know, excuse me, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. this other being that, you know, wow, you know, she's, she's dropping the F bomb like crazy. And she's just like fighting for her life. And she's like, Oh my God, Laura's behaving like a cornered animal. And it's like, yeah. So anyway, the dog takes off and I yelled the, the man's name. And I just said, you know, his name and dog. And, you know, he scooped up this tiny little dog. And in, in the meantime, the other dog, and she was focused on her dog and yelling at her dog, not realizing the larger context. And I was able to pay attention from that wider lens. And I'm grateful because the small dog, you know, the dog was just barking and jumping on, on the gentleman. And he's like, you know, his whole shoulders are hunched and he's kind of, you know, trying to protect his, his tiny tiny dog. Um, and I'm, I'm just grateful that that tiny dog didn't, you know, get bitten or mm -hmm. mauled by this other, other dog. Um, and yet, you know, it's one of those life situations that she's not asking me, right. The, the woman right. The owner of the dog, she's not coming to me and saying, gosh, my dog is, has bitten me. It's done this. It's done that. What can I do? You know, or even behavior or, problems, you know, like, cause not every dog acts the same exact way. Exactly. Like, I mean, everything you're saying I can relate to yeah. with my dog, man, it took me a while. So there are two denials that I was facing. One yeah. was when I had first got my dog and this didn't necessarily stem from my parents, but more so I think just the treatment that I saw of other dogs and also my own personal experience of how I was taught discipline. Mm -hmm. Like with my dog, you know, whenever he would do certain things that I thought was um, out of the ordinary, yeah. which really was just, he was just living his life and I was living mine. Yeah. And the two of us, because we can't, we do, he doesn't speak English well, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a bit of a disconnect that happens. Yeah. But I remember at the very early stages, like one of the things that he did was when I would come home and let's say I'm two or three hours late or later than expected. And he would sometimes like pee on the carpet or whatever it was mm -hmm. by no means his fault. Cause if he could, he could use the bath. If he truly could, he would use the bathroom. Right. right. But he can't, he doesn't have the same right. ability as we do to be able to do that. Right. And so I would get mad at him and, you know, I would go to the carpet and say, no, don't do this. And like scald right. him. And then after a real, after a while, I just realized it's like, why am I doing this? Mm. You know, but a lot of that came from denial. Like I was denying the fact that I was actually using anger to auto-correct auto his behavior mm -hmm. when the reality of the matter was the same exact thing could be done just through soft-spoken words mm -hmm. or without having to show my finger and say, no, you know, no, don't do this. Mm -hmm. And I realized that after a while, my relationship with him changed completely. Yeah. Like yeah. now we're able to have literally sometimes just if I say, 
Caleb stop. Mm-hmm. He just walks away. Mm-hmm. He lays down. Or mm-hmm. I, I no longer have to say, don't do this or don't do that. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, were my lessons to learn. Like, yes. I was the one that showed up three hours late. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not him. So, <laughs> right. I mean, I could imagine if I if someone else who was responsible for letting me to go to the bathroom showed up three hours late, like, I probably would do even... I know dogs that do that like on people's beds just as a sign that, Hey, this is what happens if you don't let me out. Right. I have to go. And so I I think much of what you're saying, I can relate to Tabitha Donald joined us as well. She said, you know, she has similar issues. Mm -hmm. Um, She can relate to much of that story. But the other thing that I am curious about, as you were talking about all this is do you find this to be a personal responsibility that you choose to accept? So for example, like you go to a dog park and let's say a dog is not behaving up to your standards or as well as your dog. And cause I struggle with this sometimes I'll take the dog for a walk. And then some people, you know, they like to let the dogs off leash. I never know how the dogs are going to react. I always kind of give benefit of the doubt, but there are times where I where I feel fear for my dog, especially if it's a significantly bigger dog. And I think part of that is just the conditioning. You know, the bigger, the worse the consequences and all this other stuff when it doesn't always correlate like that. But I choose to accept the responsibility on my end. And that is I will actually signal the owner and say, hey, is it friendly? Or I choose to do another form of action. And that is walk the opposite direction. In your case, when you see someone in denial of their own behavior, Mm. do you accept that as your personal responsibility? Mm. And then do you try and Mm. correct them or like help them see differently? Like how do you approach situations like that? Well, I mean, going back to the example of the woman at the zoo. So it's interesting. I got, I have a couple of stories. Mm -hmm. Obviously I now know that it's much more uh, supportive of people, honestly, because if I were having a meltdown and somebody said, can I help you? Mm -hmm. I feel more shame and probably lash out just like she did. Right. Um, But how can I, how can I help? And is that because the first question points out that there is a, there's something like there's a problem? Is that way it makes you feel that way? Or almost, almost like, can I help you also implies that I know better than you. Oh, I'm not equal. I'm not an equal with you. When, when the reality is, okay, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hit my kids, but I, screamed salty sailor, you know, um, in the privacy of my home, I didn't do it publicly, Mm -hmm. right. But that didn't make it any better. Right. Um, and so when I, when I've seen that, when I've seen, and, and each situation is different, Oleg, honestly, there's some situations that I've just chosen to walk away. Um, and, uh, because it, it just seems that it's, uh, my presence, However, I would presence myself, Mm -hmm. make the situation worse. And I work to trust my gut on that. Um, But there was there was one uh, situation that my kids remember to this day. I don't know if they remember the lady at the zoo. They might. Um, They were I was pulling them in a in a red wagon, but we were at such a distance and it was a hot day and they may have been, you know, focused on their snacks and, and their drinks after um, the hot day at the zoo, but we had stopped at a rest stop. This was okay. Kids are older uh, on a driving trip. And I noticed this dad just drill sergeanting his kids screaming at him. And he's got one uh, really little kid and the kid is screaming and crying and he's got him, you know, you know, gripped by the arm, you know, fierce, just, you know, and I was like, okay, that kid is physically being hurt, right? Mm-hmm. The other boys are being screamed at to get down and do push-ups and sit-ups and all this kind of stuff. And I had gotten out of the car and I was doing um, yoga poses because I had been driving for a while and I'm witnessing this. And all I did was walk over and join the two boys on the ground and talking to them. 
and going, you can do this. I got this. And I, you know, I, I, you know, and I'm, and I started doing whatever the dad was screaming at them mm-hmm. to do. I joined them. I, I joined them. And, and of course, you know, there's this moment, right? Cause I'm a, I'm a witness now. Right. And the dad, um, you know, loosens, loosens his grip on the one boy and the boy is just like, the one who he had been, you know, holding really, really tight in the arm um, is just staring at me and, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. one of those, right? Because he had been crying so hard, but his dad has now released his grip. And and I've just full on joined in. I'm doing the burpees, whatever, right? The push-ups. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just sort of whispering to the two boys, you know, kind of like, I don't know. I, I'm not remembering exactly what I said, but something, you know, like encouraging. Mm-hmm. So like, I know this world. I know what it's like to be with a badly behaved adult who's, you know, just off the rails and making demands on you. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm just going to join you and in that camaraderie. And of course, you know, all the people in the, van the mothers and whoever else was traveling with this this gentleman and these three boys were just again you know everybody's like staring just like a gog like mm-hmm. who, who is she where where'd she come from <laughs> right and and then you know within a few minutes the dad had calmed down uh and i just hopped up and walked walked away and i didn't i didn't say a word to the dad and i've thought back that maybe i could just you know say could have said something like parenting is really hard which it is <laughs> you know and and so that you know i didn't want him to feel judged by me because mm-hmm. i know how hard it is i mm-hmm. actually but i also didn't necessarily want his rage coming directed at me i just wasn't in a place to have that experience so i focused on the children um but the woman um my dear friend who was interviewed and talked about being in line at walmart and asking a woman who was really struggling with her child how can i help the woman just said yes take this child (laughs) and so my friend scooped scooped up the child and, um, you know, which, and then, and then offered to get her a cup of coffee. And of course, then the, the woman just tears streaming down her face. And yes, that would be so kind. And, uh, you know, and, and then heard the whole story, right. And she mm-hmm. just, you know, played with the child, got her keys out and, you know, and the, the child calmed down. She gave safe space for this woman to just um, grieve. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that she was alone and didn't have a whole lot of support and, you know, all those kinds of things. And yet it was a complete stranger. And I and I love that story um, because, it, it, you know, these stories of, of compassion. Right. Because that's that's really what it what it is, is is. Letting people know that I'm there knowing what it's like to be that stressed out and that enraged with young children. But I also found a different way. I I found different ways and, and maybe it's out of my fierce commitment to, to children that nobody, um, sorry. Um, No, I've learned, I don't have to apologize for tears, but I know I don't, want children to live what I lived. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so if there's something I can do from a place of compassion to, to shift the energy and maybe offer an insight if they're looking for it. Um, but a lot of people aren't necessarily looking for it or want it. You know, they'll be like, it's none of your business. And I think that's why the difference between can I help you, because then it's like it's none of your business to mm-hmm. help, and you shift it to how can I help you, 
then it's like, it kind of is like, whoa, well, you know, maybe this person could carry my grocery while I'm struggling with this squalling toddler in my arms. Right. Yeah. And that, and that'll help me calm down and, you know, but, but having that energy, because what I've gone to work on, Oleg, is no longer being in denial about any of my behaviors. Like the self-awareness is like this. Oh, <laughs> it, yeah. Like my bandwidth is, is huge. Like I know my arms are up in the air waving right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know I, 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 I have deep presence and awareness. And that, that's the great news about doing the work of healing and, and, um, and transformation and getting yourself aligned. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm nowhere perfect, but I'm whole and I'm real and I'm genuine and I lead from my heart and that I know for sure. Like I'll drop down into my deepest core values and lead and, and live my life from there. So, uh, yeah. And sometimes it makes my, my child, it's made my children sometimes really, uncomfortable uh when i've when i've just gently stood and walked over into a situation that's volatile mm -hmm. uh, and i think they get my, my my daughter in particular gets scared for me and yet i know myself i i know uh what i lived through and i know what i can what i can bring and it's it's usually a gentle compassionate presence uh rather than judgment because i know the last thing i wanted is to somebody to come in and see me on that worst moment right mm -hmm. my, my then husband already called me out right which was such a uncomfortable moment and yet it was it was absolutely accurate and he and on some level he knew i was bigger than my um cruel behavior mm -hmm. let's say it that way you know or the or you know he knew that i had work to do to resolve all that trauma from my past yeah because my my kids aren't to blame for things that happened 20 years ago right i mean oh my gosh why am i taking out my stuff on them and yet that's the that's the ancestral pattern Right. <laughs> you know, if you feel so powerless and dehumanized and you don't know a different way, um, you're going to do what was you're going to give as good as you got. And yeah, yet, it's a never ending cycle. Yeah, right. Exactly. Same exactly. cycle that just repeats uh, itself. And yeah, the hurt people will hurt people yeah. until, you know, a different way, um, because I think most people, they do want to they are, you know, deep inside, they know that they're capable of love. They're capable of compassion. They're capable of courage. And, and I'll tell you, it takes great courage to come out of denial. In fact, I think people, some people might rather prefer to go on a public speaking tour for a whole year than, than pierce their own denials about behaviors or words they're using or ways that they're interacting with the people that they love the most. Yeah. You know, Laura, do you have any of um, stories like that? I mean, obviously this is a loaded topic, so we can literally just yeah. pick a subcategory and go with it. You know, <laughs> denial and relationship, denial of self, denial of goals. Yeah. Do you have any of stories like that shared in any of the books I know that's something to mentioned, and I'll put it on the bottom for those that are tuning oh, in right now. Absolutely. I, I would actually say, in, well, stories for sure and live inspired and in mm -hmm. courageously. Yeah. I mean, I tell on myself throughout the entire book of Live Inspired. I mean, I just, and the wisdom gleaned all along the way. I mean, it's so funny because there, there are times that, you know, our culture is be like, oh, be a rock star and be a badass. And, you know, all this, all these superlatives, you got to be, you know, live your best life. And it's like, you know what, I'm human and I'm, I'm, I can be a dumb A, I can be a smart A, I, you know, <laughs> a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, I tell on myself, I do, I, because I just, it's, it's, I, I learned the most when people are real with me and I was so happy when this guru type 
person. I, it was the first time I read one of his newsletters. It was Wayne Dyer, and he had he he has since passed away. But I remember putting him up on a pedestal and thinking, man, he's got it all together. Like he's like perfect. And yet here he opened with, I've been in bed for three days. And I was like, oh, what? Because he was mm-hmm. grieving his, his, the end of his marriage. And I was like, wait, he's human. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know? a funny moment when you find out you oh, know, people that you look up to, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, they go through right. the same exact stuff that we do. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, and I think it's just been really, really important to me, Oleg, to be um, honest, you know, and and maybe radical honesty is part of my brand, you know, because I if if you can't know my heart and what I've lived through and what I've learned, then why would why in the heck would you ever share your life story? Trust you. Yeah. Or try. Right. Or trust me with your heart things <laughs> right um and i and i'm i'm proud of the fact that even when i was a little girl people felt so safe to tell me their stories they just i mean complete strangers and my kids have been like man mom you you, you like you don't have a sign on your head and yet there's something about you that people feel so safe to tell you their breakup stories, you know, in the checkout line <laughs> at target and buying greeting cards and here's the clerk telling me your breakup story and my daughter's just looking at me like what's going on but um but it it you know i i want to be a safe harbor for people people are living through a lot right now especially right now if not before uh the pandemic um and i i i just I know what it's meant to me to have safe harbor people who kept loving me and believing in me, even when I was at my worst, right? When I was doing not great behaviors, people just, there were certain people who just kept loving me and believing in me. And it makes all the difference because then mm-hmm. you kind of like accept that you've behaved badly, forgive yourself and, and, and you have that change behavior be your best best apology yeah laura what's the best way that people can connect with you i know that you mentioned websites one of them i have it here at the bottom any other way like linkedin facebook any other platforms that you use on a regular basis absolutely i'm on facebook and uh linkedin uh i can't i am on instagram but i haven't totally figured out how (laughs) how to use it i know how to post pictures and 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 videos but um yeah that's the main job of it so you know how to do that (laughs) (laughs) no um but yeah people can reach out to me also at uh, laura at cherisherworld.com i'd be honored to um connect and engage a conversation um and i know i i think live inspired if people have been um intrigued by the discussion today i think that book may may be a, a really valuable um resource and you know um yeah to to those who who would be interested in in personal growth and self-discovery and somebody who's willing to be radically honest (laughs) about my blunders (laughs) and what i've learned from them importantly right yeah yeah i think because that's an important lesson and that was one of the things that i was going to mention you know towards the end is first for anyone that's listening if you found value in this show, please feel free to leave your comments, review, whatever it is through our Facebook and LinkedIn. But outside of that, just having the ability to reflect upon your experience and learn the takeaways, learn the lessons, because I think that is a that's something I tie to this topic of denial, reliving the same story, reliving the same narrative and thinking that why is it happening or why is it happening again? When the real reality of the matter is, maybe one of the reasons why it's happening is because I haven't learned the lesson. I haven't asked my, myself the question of what is this here to truly teach me? <laughs> what am I here to learn? Mm-hmm. You know, I've gone, yeah, that's a t- topic for another conversation, but I've gone through so many experiences and events throughout my life where I've asked myself the same question. And then I started to realize that unless I start to document which you have, you know, through many of these books, it's like the story doesn't change. The narrative remains the same exact thing. And then it's the same exact cycle over and over and over again. And for me, there just became a point where just in all honesty, I got tired of it. 
I got tired of living the same exact cycle. And I faced the honest truth that I said, hey, I'm tired of repeating the same story. I'm tired of repeating the same behaviors. You know, the whole story of my dog. Like, yeah. how long do I want to repeat that? When there are other ways that I can learn to communicate. Now, don't get me wrong. None of this happens overnight. For me, none of it happened overnight. <laughs> it took years of reminders. And I'm sure I still mess up. You know? Yeah. However many years down the road. But I think for me, what's what I find valuable is am I willing to try? And that's where I think everything changes. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely been my experience. And, and it, it definitely is not overnight. But, yeah, I and I, I think in my case, I just got I got tired of being terrified. I didn't want to live terrified and unworthy. I wanted to feel safe in my body and joy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. It, it's a process. So. Mm -hmm. No. Well, thank you. Uh, well, I don't know if you're wrapping up or. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this space. And, and like I said, thank you for being a part of all the other spaces, the Saturday calls and just continuing to do the work that you do. It's, it's amazing. And it's inspiring to see people who are constantly facing their challenges and their battles and whatever moments of denial they might have on a daily basis. And, if there's anything that I could say, it's an inspiration to other people. Myself, I'll speak for myself. Like it's an inspiration for me to see other people do similar work that I'm doing and ultimately know that it's possible to see the other side of it all. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and just know that you and your questions and the conversations that we have um, are leave me deeply enriched and in inspired and uh, uh, there's so many nuggets that I'll take from those courageous conversations that, uh, that, that really land and resonate. And I'll, and I'll think about an, another situation and, and a, from a completely different perspective. And I, and I love that because I, I think lifelong learning is the bomb. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think we're, I, I, I personally, I believe that that's um, critical yeah essential to personal growth and one's own fulfilling life yeah and thank, yeah. You, thank you so much for the opportunity to have this conversation and and share about my experiences with with not just with denial but coming out of denial mm -hmm. and work on that those healings and transformations so no thank you thank you for yeah. being a part of it Absolutely. Thanks, Oleg. You have a great day with all that snow. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you.